0: Everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk about it. Just a quick reminder this is not a spoiler free podcast. So there could be some things we say that come up in future episodes, especially sort of the last few episodes of this season. There's a lot that we set up here or that we're continuing the setup for here. So, look, if you're averse to spoilers. Just be warned. There may be some here. Having said all that, I'm Melissa and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing?
1: I am good. I had some caffeine because I haven't been sleeping much. And as we just talked about, uh, it seems like some of our best shows are when I am sleep deprived. I
0: was just thinking So that. hey, yeah.
1: you know, chances
0: are we're going to do some good work today yeah you're welcome listeners (laughs) we do it for you we do it all for you we put ourselves through the toil and the pain just for you listeners awesome well today we're going to talk about season one episode 18 This one was called Happy Birthday, originally airing April 27th, 1999. This one was directed by Lodi Keene, which I believe is a new name that we haven't come across yet and written by Tracy Abrams. So there's pretty much a new team behind this one. And the description is, panicked over a surprise visit from her parents, Megan entrusts Felicity with the safekeeping of her box. Meanwhile, Julie gets bombshell news about her birth mother. Okay, Fish, where would you like to start for this one?
1: I don't understand uh, this description of the episode.
0: Oh boy, she's coming for the episode summary. (laughs) Oh, well, it
1: doesn't include the best part of the episode, Uh which is we get a visit from Walter and Faye. We sure do. It's amazing. So I remember a little while ago you had said, you know, we will get to see Megan's parents, but they're not what you'd expect. Uh And uh, when we heard the answering machine, her mom you know, left a message that Felicity got for Megan saying, just confirming, we're, you know, coming in. Uh, I recognize the woman's voice. Mm-hmm. And she always plays the same character, which is sort of this, you know, suburban mom type. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't a huge shock when... We then walk into the room or felicity walks into the room to find uh megan's parents sitting on the bed uh and then you know quickly runs away because they are terrifying and she Um, thinks for
0: sure she's in the wrong room this can't be right
1: no mm -mm. um what i did find very surprising was megan's outfits I mean, I love them on Megan just because I know they make her so upset and (laughs) you know, they've got the bright colors and she's wearing pearls and she's got a headband on. And And that first dress is
0: full on floral. Oh, oh I even noticed it.
1: I mean, did you notice the second one was purple? No, no. There's so much purple in this episode. I'm just gonna stop talking about it because I think I think they just like using purple. So at least this okay. season, I guess. I mean purples and browns. I guess it's just sort of the palette of the season.
0: Yeah. Um
1: so I'm not gonna read too much into it other than I mean, we had some nice bright colors on <laughs> on Megan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So on the one hand I love what they are doing to her soul. Um, But on the other, I mean, as an actual outfit, I hate it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's the point.
1: Yeah. 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 I
0: think this show achieved all its objectives for you.
1: Oh, man. So I know you're probably not going to talk about her fashion. But I mean, what did you think of uh, what she did with her box?
0: well i you know okay i will say this she put everything else in the closet (laughs) she why did she leave the box in the middle of the room to be found when she had decided that the closet was a safe space for everything else i think you know when you really look into the details of this it falls apart just a spec, but I love that they made it happen. <laughs> they got there because they have that moment where, you know, they've, they've picked up the new attire for Megan and her mom just for Maggie and her mom just wants to hang it up in the closet. And Maggie has a flip out reaction. <laughs> she was like, no, oh,
1: <laughs> just, Maggie.
0: you know, a lot of stuff in there, mom. Um, so box could have been one of the things in that closet, but they decided that they wanted it to be something in this episode. We all want it to be something that's talked about in this episode. And so they gave us what we wanted, even though I didn't make a lot of practical sense how they got there. But to answer your question, Megan pulls Felicity aside in one of those things that they do in TV and movies where they pull you aside right in front of the other people, but pretend like the other people can't hear and so Megan's having this hush, hush conversation with Felicity, like the box is in the room. Don't let them, look. just, just don't let them see it. It's, it's, it, this isn't, just protect the box, <laughs> keep it secure. And but don't then, open it. Do yeah. Don't
1: look in it or you will get skewered.
0: Pretty much. Skewered. Yeah. And then of course, because they did all this in front of her parents, her parents are wondering why all the hush conversation
1: and I like Felicity's reactions. I mean, she's she's having some fun with this. She's like, well, let me tell you what's happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, picks up the box, says it's hers. And we can hear in the background things rolling around in it. Yeah. I and mean, this was not the same sound that we heard the first time. So it seems like there are new things. It, it almost sounds like, I don't know, not full-size pool balls but like some sort of (laughs) weighty like circular not circular spherical objects are Mm -hmm. just just rolling their way all around the box so uh, you know new things yeah and uh and felicity just i don't know because felicity clearly says the only reason that she, you know, has this box is to taunt Megan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe, you know, Megan wouldn't care if Felicity didn't taunt her with it. So perhaps hiding the box over on Felicity's side of the room is just master, you know, head head messing by Megan.
0: Wow. Master head messing.
1: Yes. That's, That's what good. I went with. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's not really manipulation and I couldn't come up with the word I wanted.
0: Yep. Well, Hey, I'm happy to go with that. Head messing. This is some serious head messing that we're experiencing. And it is, it's, this is the kind of thing that you need good actors to pull this off correctly. Everything that happens around this box requires good actors to make this come through. And we got that because It's actually pretty complex. Felicity is still (laughs) tortured by the box. (laughs) Megan doing this is torturing her more, but now she gets to dish it back where she's basically just speaking the truth, her truth, and and making that an an issue for (laughs) Megan now and also piquing Walter and Faye's interest at the same time. So there's... uh, there's a lot of comedy that's going through this there's a lot of that pauses and the the facial expressions um, that you see throughout this episode around the scenes about the box there's so much subtlety between the lines that all of these actors nailed as far as i'm concerned
1: yeah i would say if i had to pick a theme for this episode It would probably be temptation. We Mm. see so many characters in moments of temptation. Like the next time we see Felicity in the box, she almost opens it. Mm -hmm. She is about to open it when when uh, Megan and her parents walk in. We almost find out what's in the box.
0: Yeah, she's she wants to know. She's an inquiring mind and she wants to know. But it you like you said, it's interrupted because Walter, Faye, and Meggie come back from mm-hmm. two days visiting four museums. It's a record for Faye. She's it's cheery, right. she's happy about it.
1: And Megan said how colorful they were. Yeah. I mean Which, that's high high praise.
0: High praise or low praise. I don't know what it was for her. <laughs> it was Just tells you how how tortured she's been here, and you know that that's when they come out with the new attire, and the whole closet is full bit. And I love how they then go into in that in that first scene that Felicity gets with Megan's parents. You know, Walter wants her to go to dinner with them, and she just sort of doesn't really respond she just lets that linger but this second time she jumps on it she has thought about what to do in the event she gets asked (laughs) out again in the in the two days of museum visits that they've had between when Felicity first saw the parents and when she's seeing them again she came up with a plan and (laughs) so now she gets to go she gets asked to go to dinner again and she's like yeah I'm in and and (laughs) Megan says don't you have that thing nope Felicity doesn't because they canceled that thing. So she is totally free and ready to go. And she's just letting Megan score.
1: I'm so sad that that didn't actually happen. And I just wrote down down here, Felicity is too nice. Yeah. I mean, come on. Although if she had then gotten to know um, Megan's parents, it... It it might not have gone as well as it did when Megan's father starts stalking her.
0: Uh huh. Uh
1: mm-hmm. huh.
0: Yeah, that part terrified you.
1: I did. Uh, you know, we had to pause to, because the audio gets off a little bit as as I'm watching it. And when we paused it, it was right at the moment where Felicity is looking into her mailbox. And Walters is like right behind her. And I swear the scene looks like it is ripped from a horror movie. Uh And it's super creepy. And I wrote down, Megan's father is creepy. And then I had to revise that because the the scene that then followed was all about how much he was worried about his little Maggie. Uh And how, you know, Felicity was a negative, negative influence, you know?
0: that whole scene was brilliant first of all with the that camera angle through the mailbox from one side of the mailbox to the other side through the sort of square shape or rectangular shape we have seen that before we saw that at least in the episode where or very early this season where Felicity had mailed her essay to Ben and she wanted to get it back. So remember when she went to the guy who works in the mail room and she siloed up to him and she said, any chance, you know, it's a cream colored envelope, any chance you could just take it, give it back to me. Uh, (laughs) Like I want the envelope. But they had that moment where they were both looking at each other from opposite sides of the mailbox and you could see each of their faces. And this time they took that same idea and they played on it just a little bit. They showed us Felicity's face from the other side of the mailbox, but right behind her comes Walter. So I like that they took an idea. There were actually a couple things in this episode that they did that were shades of earlier episodes this season, which I loved. And now that was one of them. It was a small one, but it was just a camera angle that makes you think about the beginning of the season again. Um, But yeah, that whole scene, as creepy as it started, It it turns into just pure, pure comedy. Yeah. But they were playing it serious. And I think that's sometimes where the best comedy, I think that's usually where the best comedy comes from. They're just both dead serious about this scene. And Felicity is dead serious plus confused. And that's (laughs) what they were told to do. And it reads so funny.
1: I don't know how dead serious Felicity is I still she's definitely confused uh-huh. um but I feel like there's a tiny smile at the corner of her mouth just because you know whatever this is it's not her it's yeah. it's Meggie that has done it and um she really she, she's taking on the responsibility um but you know Walter and Faye you know, Walter comes to, to Felicity to not so much apologize, but to say that he and Faye have looked in the box. Mm-hmm. They've looked in it. I mean, it was just sitting there, and she she was taunting them with it, similarly mm-hmm. to how she gets taunted. And they couldn't hold back, and so they looked in the box, and it was shocking.
0: Yeah, And he but but they're letting it linger throughout this whole scene. So Walter says, you know, we opened the box. Would you like to explain? (laughs) And you know, Felicity is just sitting there like, how to answer this? (laughs) And then you know, he goes on and you know, opening the box and seeing what we did. It was shocking and they just let these things linger and she's just like yeah shocking shocking (laughs) like I'm just gonna go with whatever he said and reaffirm it knowing full well that for him in this conversation it's confusing because she shouldn't be admitting all of this but for her she's like how can I get intel Walter knows everything (laughs) he may he knows maybe literally where the bodies are buried we're not really sure what's going on in that box
1: yeah I mean no, I, I don't think that Megan is a murderer. I don't. Um, I, I still think she's a secret agent. Oh. Uh, yes.
0: Well, there gonna, you have it.
1: to keep that going.
0: I enjoy, uh, so they push it far enough in this scene where Felicity has to give something of substance, but still has no idea what she's talking about. And Walter does. So mm-hmm. she has to play it safe while giving something of substance. And she goes with, I'll throw it away. And Walter says, I don't see how you can do that. (laughs) It's a very serious Walter voice. That, by the way, was my very serious Walter voice.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was was definitely lower than Walter's voice. It was a deeper register. It
0: It was was lower than Walter's voice? Well, it was was definitely
1: Yeah, lower than Walter. I think it was sort of Dracula impersonating Walter.
0: Oh, okay. Yep. That's what I was going for. Nailed it. So, okay. Uh, I don't see how you can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Absolutely priceless. And here, and Felicity is all of us in this moment. (laughs) We're just hanging on to any clues we can get. This thing was rolling around. It sounds (laughs) like something you could throw away. (laughs) But apparently it is not. I don't,
1: Mm. I don't have any idea what this could be. Yeah. I mean, listeners, let's just keep going with all the clues we get and see if we can actually figure out what could possibly be in this box that you can't throw away. I mean, it does seem like just sort of toss it in a trash can and it is in fact thrown away.
0: Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Could it be like voodoo dolls that aren't cloth? <laughs> um, I'd have to workshop this idea a little bit more. Uh, voodoo dolls made of something that is a hard material that it's hard to stick pins into.
1: <laughs> then it rolls around.
0: Yeah. Well, but then it would go with this idea that you can't exactly throw it away, right? Because it still exists.
1: I don't feel like Walter and Faye would know enough about that. They'd just be like, oh, look, they're her dolls from when she was a kid. Hmm. There's got to be something that these people would recognize and be shocked
2: by.
0: Yeah. And maybe I need to lower my bar because they're probably shocked by a lot. So.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, I mean, I would have said like goop eggs, but again you know, not, not available in the nineties. Thank you, Gwyneth. And also you could throw them away.
0: Mm. We're coming up with nothing. So listeners, you know, we need your feedback at themelissafish at gmail.com. Just go ahead and email us there. Uh, Your ideas, your thoughts. We've had decades to think about this as a, as a community. (laughs) So what have you got? (laughs) We know we've all been thinking about it.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll continue to think about it. Um, but, you know, I, I, they do want to keep the mystery about around the box. So Felicity in the script is not allowed to ask him, what did you see? Mm-hmm. And she's never allowed to get in the box herself. Um, and she doesn't even tell Megan. that. Does she tell Megan that her parents know? Well, we don't see it. If yeah. She does.
0: They don't really so have I, that close a relationship at this point in time where they're like able to reveal, you know. She's still in the I'm in a taunt you phase.
2: I
1: guess. But Megan, still, I guess, for not coming to dinner and supposedly protecting the box, which she did not do very well,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but she did claim ownership of it. Yeah. She does give Felicity a present.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She gives her the last clean cup, which I very much enjoyed. She hands her the clean cup
0: at Julie's and party,
1: then at Julie's party um, which she is filled with orange soda. And then she walks off. And as she goes off, she's like, well, I don't have a clean cup, but I'm going to take Richard's food.
0: Yeah, it's a very much a giveth and taketh away situation. It's like yes. Megan has to restore <coughs> balance, balance and order in the world, and yes. she has given generously to Felicity, and now she needs mm-hmm. to steal.
1: Yes, and and it must be from someone who really doesn't know what to do once it's happened. Yeah. He is he has a plate of food and then all of a sudden he doesn't. And he doesn't know what to do with his it's hands cakeless. or his eyes. Yeah. He just, he just stands there awkwardly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, sorry, Richard. You're cakeless losing your Richard. RA and your food.
0: Yeah. That's how it is. That's how it's going to be. Well, it was, it was satisfying. I, something about that interaction really made me feel like there, there is almost a mathematic. <laughs> Approach to how she views the world. Like, it's not exactly karma because she's the one bringing all of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I have, to, there was something about the need to restore balance. Yes. And the that. very twisted way that that came out. It's like, okay, I have gifted mm-hmm. the cup and I must steal the cake. And it makes a lot of sense to me thinking about it. <laughs> it does. Of you.
1: Yeah. I I agree. I think that's part of the brilliance of the show that we are, we are with Megan in that moment and we are with her in a lot of this, but well, at least I'm with her in a lot of this show, because I mean, I wouldn't wear that for my parents and they wouldn't care. But uh-huh. if I had to, I would be just as mortified and really, I don't know. I, I, would feel like I need to take it out on someone. And since Felicity's been good, I mean, Richard, Richard works. um, Plus I'd probably want to eat cake afterwards. And Mm -hmm. here's the other sad part. When we first see Megan, I actually, and I've never done this before. I wrote a heart instead of saying like, love her outfit. I wrote a heart and then put outfit i thought that fur with the leopard like tight pants i mean that was just she was rocking that outfit yeah and then enough um, for you to hard it i know and then and then oh all of this which i I still love i still love it
0: well i think we have talked through everything that was on the page, you know, this is what we saw acted in front of us. But I think if we zoom out from that, it's telling me a lot more about Megan because this is, this is as funny as these scenes are, this is the environment that Megan grew up in and she has these super proper suburban parents. uh, I'm assuming that they're wealthy and you know they have the means to be able to to have this culture around them and they expect megan to be the version of megan they've always known we have never seen this version of megan so we know this is not how she chooses to be in everyday life and she doesn't feel comfortable to bring that to them and i think that this is One of those things that we see about Megan now, you know, lightly spoiling this. So maybe like if you don't want to know this, hey, guys, just plug your ears for a second. But Megan's going to have a lot of growth in this in many areas as a character, including with her parents. And so what we're seeing here is kind of a marker of the beginning of where she is now, where she can't be herself with her parents. She just flat out can't be. So this is the version of her that her parents know. This is what's accepted. And she is dying a little on the inside trying to be it.
1: Wow. That is kind of fascinating. I had no idea that we continue to see any kind of relationship with their parents. And my guess is in season one, the show didn't have any idea either that she was going to continue you know, being on the show in that bigger role. Um, So I feel like this episode maybe was just supposed to be funny Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: then maybe they turned it serious because I don't feel like my initial impression of this wasn't, oh, here are these oppressive parents and she can't be herself around them and here are her expectations of her. It was just, you know, this is the way she's lived her life and she's kind of. You know, gotten out, learning who she is, experimenting with fashion, all that stuff. And she just basically doesn't want to bother having all these conversations with her parents about it because she probably thinks they're lame.
0: Or Um, she doesn't feel like she can. I think that's something that's really interesting to think about with this. And yeah, I think if you're watch if you were watching it first time around and you have no idea what's coming ahead, this is just gonna be a funny episode. But I actually am very interested in this as um, as like I said, uh, a marker for where she, where this relationship starts. I mean obviously she's grown up with these people, so it's not exactly the start, but this is this is the origin story of, of where she's at and and for me, it's interesting because Megan comes off up until this point as a character who really knows her own mind, who's willing to be out there and rebellious and who's willing to be individual and not afraid to say the things that she's thinking. And she absolutely cannot be that way with her parents. We're seeing the product of it. She wouldn't be doing any of these things, you know, that this is not how she chooses to live. And this is who she has to be either because she does maybe because she feels like it's their parent, her parents are too lame to have the conversation with them about this or maybe because she feels like she can't. And I think this kind of thing happens so, so often where before you're truly comfortable to own, own who you are with your family, whatever that is, you very often just are what they expect you to be. And maybe there's a day when you decide I'm going to be who I really am, or maybe there's not that day. And you just, stay that way forever, maybe for some people who you are outside of your family and who you are inside is the same thing. I don't know. But I think this is a journey that probably a lot of people can relate to. I actually relate to it very much, even though I don't have a goth element, you know, <laughs> like it's <laughs> like there's, it, it manifests differently for Megan. But I think this idea that you're trying to be or ha- feel that you have to be the kid that you were in the presence of the people who knew you growing up And even after you've decided to be something else with the rest of your days, it's interesting to me that she's in this space and we are just thrown right into it. It's true tension for her as which comes out in a funny way for us, but it's tension for her and knowing that. Even in just subtle ways, we're going to see some evolution in this or or even just things she says to Felicity, where it's like, oh, okay, I think there have been some changes in the dynamic. I'm really interested that it started here, and I'm excited as this older version of me to come back and look at some of the developments that we'll see.
1: I think it's interesting, and i'll I'll be very interested to go through it again i mean there was a third option there if you've already seen it but forgotten everything Uh so um yeah i'm going to be interested to see that i i guess i do have slightly less sympathy with megan because Uh i remember when felicity's parents came and and all felicity asked of her was to just remove you know a few skulls just less
0: skull action yeah yeah
1: and Megan wasn't even willing to do that. But here, I mean, did you see a funeral, funeral operation poster around? No. There was, <laughs> she just filled that closet.
0: That closet must have been stuff. a disaster.
1: I mean, and I think she said under her bed. So, you know, oh. she, has, she has just filled, you know, her taken her entire life and put it in her closet and under her bed for her parents. Well, wasn't even willing to move a full, a few skulls for felicities,
0: yeah
1: I mean you know teenagers <sighs> are self-absorbed we know
0: that's how it that's is cool. you know gosh Still. well that's Megan or Meggie
1: Meggie as, as some of that, us may call her from now on yeah um well we can move on from that and speaking of moving
0: mm, good transition right? Fish. thank
1: you took me a second holy There's smokes. A, yeah um so Noel, Noel really cool. is looking at uh the classifieds and for those wow. who don't know what the classifieds are or <laughs> have never seen an actual paper newspaper um that's what a newspaper looked like and the classifieds you could find anything it was craigslist in the newspaper uh-huh. and he's circling apartments I mean you could um i mean you could put all sorts of stuff in there. you could sell things you could find people um there was like a whole single section i would not advise that of craigslist and um i mean you know I'm, i'm sad the classifieds have gone the way they have because they brought us a fantastic song called the escape and i feel like we should all Just sing it now. And Melissa's looking at me like, she doesn't know this song. She knows this song. I don't
0: remember. What what song is this?
1: Do you like pina coladas
0: and get Mm -hmm. lost in the rain? Right, right, right.
1: That's the escape.
0: Classifieds are mentioned somewhere in that song?
1: You don't know this song? This song, okay. Everyone go listen to the lyrics of this song as I explain this to Melissa. But... (laughs) (laughs) the premise of the song is you like pina coladas you like getting lost in the rain that's written in the classified section and then the response so there's a guy and he's been married to this woman and so he's gonna step out on her and so he puts an ad in the classifieds and he gets this other woman writing back to him saying you know oh so that's what you like here's what I like And he's like this woman seems great and they go back and forth and he's like we should meet uh, because you seem great and so he goes to this bar and he gets ready to meet her and who walks up. His wife oh it's her (sighs) they fall in love all over again it's a beautiful song
0: they fall in love all over again okay yeah because they were both they were both
1: stepping out on each other like their marriage had gotten stale and they were looking for someone who they was interesting and it was like oh wow you are really the person that i'm interested in love and
0: oh wait so were they writing to each other that whole time and didn't know it yeah they were both trying to cheat on each other. Yes, that's cuter. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a twisted love story for me, but hey, yeah. that's what that song is about. Yeah. Okay. All
1: right. Hey, it's, it's a fantastic song. For Please those of you who
0: were, you know, not on this podcast, you had the luxury of pausing, checking out the song on Google, maybe having a listen. Unfortunately, Fish had to literally explain an entire song to me. For us to get there but i am with you now the classifieds the classifieds da- 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 <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> and this and the escape which i love um yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, oh the escape yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just cut all that other stuff out you know yeah, um no. yeah we're leaving it in Gosh, um,
1: yeah, um- loving <laughs> it. um- <laughs> the classifieds yeah. it's all gone now it's like the also, escape it is uh, <laughs> I love it, like pina coladas.
0: Yeah, um, that. so in.
1: also love Elena calling Noel guy scum and uh, kind of like cooties, like it's gonna get on her when he bumps into her uh, as he's walking walking back to his room after looking at the classifieds, and and as Noel puts it, denigrating him every yeah. time
0: she sees him. Well, we've come to a fork in the road because we can pursue the Noel conversation or we can pursue the Elena conversation first. Uh, I kind of want to look at maybe the Elena thing first, because I think we'll wrap that up a little more quickly. Um, I, you know, Elena, it's interesting the way the conversation evolves between Felicity and Elena here, because what we're seeing is Elena is fiercely loyal to Uh, Elena's fiercely loyal to Felicity and being very protective of her. And in doing that, she's, you know, happy to say snide remarks and call Noel names to his face. And she's doing it on one hand out of loyalty to Felicity, but then Felicity later on pokes a bit of a hole in that. And she's like, you know, what happened with Noel isn't like what happened with you and Blair. And that really reframed all of this for me because although Elena got to lay Blair out on the floor, you know, she punched him in the face, laid him out on the ground. And that might've been to some degree satisfying, but she gets to knows like the punching bag that stays there for her. And maybe what we are seeing is some of that latent Blair energy coming out where is she's protecting Felicity, but she's, she's got the wrong lens on for this situation and Felicity points it out.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, something else that I saw kind of running through this episode was uh, people, people defending others, Um, and so, you know, when she and Elena are talking and Elena says, you know, what about your pride? And as you said, you know, look, Felicity says, look, it's not the same. Noel was honest. He told me what was happening. He wasn't cheating. And, you know, Elena says, well, you think it's all right. And Felicity says, no, like nothing's all right. She's not putting the blame on Noel. And Noel does the same thing with Guy, You know Mm -hmm. he says look it you know this was my fault you know you know he repeats the word diddling on the phone which was hilarious yeah um but you know they're they're where they are at this place right now i think is much better than where they were last episode
0: yeah they're starting to own the pieces of this that belong to them
1: yes exactly and, and, and they credit. could
0: be wanting to not... Like, I mean, they're talking to people who are fully ready to vilify
2: mm-hmm.
0: the other one, right? The, the, their partner. And and there it would be so easy to roll with that in the conversation. It would be so easy for Felicity to say to Elena, to Elena yeah, he did the wrong thing. And it would be so easy for Noel to agree with Guy when he's talking about Felicity diddling mm-hmm. another guy. But mm-hmm. they're actually... Kind of stopping that in its tracks and saying yeah it wasn't great here's what i did that wasn't great and i feel much more hopeful about where that could go
1: yeah i mean i'm not sure if we had more to say about elena's part before we get into it i did love that she called felicity the sweater queen mm-hmm. um that just made me really happy uh she and felicity and julie we're all in, I think, Julie's room. Mm -hmm, And Julie was, um, you know, preparing her birthday party plans. And I think we see the difference between Alina and Julie here, where, you know, Julie just invites Noel to the birthday party, and then asks if it's okay. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, And Felicity's like, Yeah, yeah, it's fine. You know, I'm glad you did it, especially since it's right outside his door. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, uh, Julie and Elena have some different different ways that they're dealing with Noel, because Julie, I think, also leaned on Noel. So mm-hmm. she does have more of a relationship with him than Elena does, even though- I don't know. Elena I think that
0: Elena has had her moments with Noel as well. I mean, he's ultimately the one who broke through and encouraged her to take the scholarship that leads to the fact that she's still at school having this conversation. So she is, you know, and, and then they, they both dressed up as Subway Sandwich employees for Halloween. Yeah. They've had some shared moments. Um, yeah,
1: I don't feel like it's the same. I feel like at this point in time, or let's say right before, um, well, no, let's say at this, at this point in time, I feel like Julie could go up to Noel and have a conversation mm-hmm. and them kind of be friends. And I don't feel like, even if Elena wasn't mad at him, that that was the relationship they had. It, it still would have had to be like there would have had to been a reason for Elena to go, mm-hmm. you know, talk to him about something that was going on in the dorm or or Noel has to go to her at the prompting of like they're not friends in any way, shape or form uh, in like the same way that Julia is just a little more open and I don't know inviting
0: yeah fair enough yeah that's pretty much everything that we see from Elena in this episode but i'm you know glad we we paused on that for a moment because i think she's going through some stuff we could use a little more Elena. yeah i I think they maybe cut some scene i know they cut some scenes that she had in love and marriage or at least one scene from love and marriage it's probably a time issue so she's been a little bit underdeveloped in these last few episodes pretty much since Blair left yeah but hopefully they'll find her their way with her again real soon because she is an important presence in the show
1: yeah she brings a whole different element um I think so it's interesting to watch what's happening with felicity and noel here Uh i really liked how they did this you know we've got felicity starting out wearing the you know traditional 90s socks and shoes combo but
0: but Uh, can we just on the bed why do tv shows always do this
1: (laughs) i love that you do notice fashion but only when it's like related to something that you're like how inappropriate like you know She's got. She. do noticed that she had shoes on, yeah. but you only noticed it in the context of Wearing why the are bed? they on her bed?
0: Yeah, who no. does that? <laughs> and it happens in every show. I think. I guess practically <laughs> speaking, it's probably because they shoot it a bunch of times. Doesn't make But she wasn't getting up and she wasn't getting up onto and off of the bed throughout that scene. She was just sitting on the bed. Could she have been sitting on the bed shoeless? Yeah, could have been
1: but that is a really like 90s look. I mean, panning up from that, I mean the shoes kind of made that look for me. Okay. So, I'm kind of glad she had the shoes on and, you know, it's Felicity, so I you know I feel like the shoes are pretty clean. Okay. <laughs> I'm defending on. the the shoes on bed thing. Look, all I'm saying I is in my
0: notes, it. one of my first note is, <laughs> notes is shoes on bed, not one, but two exclamation points after it. I'm That, that meant something to me. <laughs> I,
1: I had no comments on that whatsoever.
0: <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, she's talking about mood swings, making me feel all the things she is saying. She's sad. She's furious. She's guilty. Yeah, I'm not guilty about shoes on the no. bed though. <laughs> so you guys know, I'm not guilty about that.
1: She's just sad and mad. Yeah. And feels um, like others should be guilty.
0: Yeah, but this seems seems like she's describing something that's typical and pretty healthy. You know, when you're dealing with a major change or a major, uh, when you're grieving a loss, you know, she's describing things that you might go through.
1: Yeah, sort of the grief process, but also, yeah, just generally being being a bit moody. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so first breakup. Um, so you know we we watch her going through this and then we watch noel who's you know had a long-term girlfriend and that seemed to have fizzled it didn't seem like he had these types of emotions about it but you know this is one of those things where you you get good advice but you don't always listen to it Mm -hmm. and you know everyone says in whatever way they want to say it, but this is the way I always hear it. You don't shit where you eat, you know? You Ah. don't date your RA or someone right next to you in the dorm or someone you're in your apartment building. And you know why? Noel tells us why. Because it's torture when you break up. Mm -hmm. You have to see this person. You have to be around them, you know? I mean, imagine probably many of you may have had this happen, like, you start dating someone at work you know either you're their boss or they're your boss or you're on the team together and there are reasons <laughs> that this is not allowed mm-hmm. um and we just see him going through how horrible it feels to run into her all the freaking time okay. I mean every almost every time we see Noel he's running into Felicity yeah and how could he not they live right next to each other they have all the same friends I mean.
0: Ugh. Yeah. Like we see that incredibly awkward elevator ride. Oh, It was unfortunate. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, awkward for everybody. And of course they had a bunch of buffers on the elevator with them. And then all of them got off on the same floor. <laughs> Every single Even human the on the elevator ride. with them got off except for them. Uh, you just Did you know, know that that's was going to happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he finds another place. And my big question was. He's there with several scholarships and the way that he talked to Elena, I mean, it didn't sound like he could afford to give up both the job as an RA and the free housing. Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out how he's going to make this work.
0: Yeah. I, re- that's not something they seem to want to pursue in this episode. Yeah. They, they really don't dive into any logistics on this and, from what we know about Noel's financial status, mostly from the things that he told us, or he told Elena in the episode where she was thinking about taking up scholarship. Doesn't seem like he could do this financially, but Mm -hmm. this is more of an emotional choice. He's found a place. Something that I think was notable to me is that he's been kind of collecting groupies (laughs) among the male students in the dorm and he's got a lot of fans and almost friends you might even say um you know because he's getting a lot of support in this situation support that we didn't see him having you know episodes ago and here we've got guy in his room being a friend saying you know i'd rather see felicity leave she's the one that diddle this other guy and yeah, not you, Noel, and you know, Noel's kind of like, oh, well.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I <laughs> he actually told guys some
0: of the information and guys well, I really
1: know. like his what he has to say at that moment. Um, he says, when I left with Hannah, I gave up any rights to commitment from Felicity.
0: Yeah,
1: that you the I situation
0: thought... a little more clearly now. Yeah. Guy's not, though. Guy's fiercely loyal. And he's like, I'm just going to miss you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's got no response to that major re- revealing thing <laughs> that Noel just said. He's just like, Any I don't want you to leave. Any um, more
1: than Elena is now giving credit to Noel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And, you know, Richard, oh, in turn, is also devastated about the news that Noel may <laughs> leave. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, wait, who am I going to complain to now?
1: And, and it's not like there will never be another person he can complain to. It's just he likes complaining to Noel.
0: Yeah. I mean, oh, this sweet. particular time he comes in and he's like, my room's a hot box. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, we will see this again. And oh. I'm incredibly pleased that they went ahead and set it up in this episode. All right. Yeah. Richard's room is getting to be there's something wrong with the temp. (laughs) So temperature issues abound in Richard's room. He wants to complain and he's not happy that he's going to lose his complaining buddy, or at least the guy he complains to.
1: And, you know, we sort of watch Nolan Felicity doing this decorating for, for Julie's party and Felicity just sort of awkwardly saying, have a nice move. Um, and I like how throughout the party, you just kind of see Noel and Felicity looking at each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, Richard comes by and shows off his new watch that he just okay. got for $15.
0: The only thing that I could think when Richard showed that he had just bought Noel's watch was how was that guy in the stacks, the Everyfish, how was he going to recognize Noel anymore?
1: Oh, no. Maybe he'll think Richard is Noel.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, I feel bad for him. What happens when there is a yard sale in a dorm room? So I mean, problematic. This world must be turned upside down. If
0: you can only identify people by every uh, piece of attire that they're wearing, it leaves mm. a lot to be desired in terms of like an accurate ID. <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't understand why noel's arm is on you know purple tie-dye t-shirt guys body
0: well when you really think about it if you were to try to describe richard and noel how different would they sound (laughs) He just went based on appearance. So
1: fair. (laughs) Like that's fair.
0: Richard now having Noel's watch is a little creepy. It's a little unfortunate. It's a little too devoted. But it's also (laughs) a major confusing point for those who needed the watch to be a defining characteristic of Noel.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, every fish is gonna have to figure it out for himself. I mean, (laughs) I I believe in him.
0: Uh, He'll he'll find a new path. Yeah. as he needs well, to but this also yeah. brings us to another scene that was shades of a scene we saw earlier in the season where Felicity does the reversed speech to Noel you know mm-hmm. when in the in the beginning of this maybe the first episode even Noel knows that Felicity is thinking about leaving the school altogether sits her down and he has a talk with her and he's like you mustn't leave this school stay in New York or perish is what he says and mm-hmm. the whole thing was really shades of that this this scene you know now Noel sitting down on the bed and Felicity's standing over him saying listen you can't leave because something's unresolved here and she you know she describes how every single person who's a resident in the dorm meets her and then finally adds herself to the list and you know the words are a little different but the the image it evokes really struck me as she's just this worked on her way back when and maybe it'll work when she says it to Noel
1: well and the fact that she wants to say it to Noel I think is something important you know before I was criticizing her for not fighting for them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And here I think she is, you know, fighting at least for them to resolve the issue and maybe they'll get together. Maybe they won't, maybe they'll be friends, but she is fighting for him to stick around and figure it out. Um, so I think that that's great. And And it's also
0: worth noting that it's not as if they had their fight and then all of a sudden Hannah was hanging around the dorm again, you know, like it, it would appear that Hannah is not in the picture that Noel didn't just seek comfort in the comfortable. He has been by himself figuring things out, which I think would give Felicity a little bit more confidence to have a conversation like this saying like, well, it's not as if Hannah is still the specter over our relationship right now. Noel could be with her. And she's seeing. she hasn't been seeing evidence that he's resumed a relationship with her. So maybe she feels more comfortable to go into this conversation. It's like, well, what we've got is unresolved, but I'm not stepping into somebody else's territory either.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Noel is, I don't know. I, I just feel like he's just unhappy yeah. And, and just in pain, you know, and I, I feel it more from him than her. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because she's being surrounded by really close friends and he's being surrounded by Richard and guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that could be a big difference. I mean, he doesn't seem to have guy friends yet. So, um, or any friends yet?
0: Richard is trying. Okay. He's trying.
1: (laughs) He's trying. I know. God
0: bless him.
1: But uh, my favorite part of that whole scene was Felicity starting out and saying, you know, you're the linchpin of this operation and goes on about, you know, all of the stuff that he's doing. And Noel kind of looks at her and says, so you think I need to stay because I'm a good RA? (laughs) She goes, of course not. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and I realized she was
1: reacting to the rest of his statement, but I mean, we've I all established what a, crap, <laughs> what a crap our Noel is. So yeah, um, yeah. clearly she's saying it for herself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I wanted to give an award. Yay.
0: Okay. Which
1: I feel like you don't give awards anymore.
0: I, I haven't done a lot of awards. I'll think of one. You, you give your award. I'll think, okay.
1: I'll think of awards. So after they've had this conversation, we get this sort of prolonged look at Noel having the best awkward at a party moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, he kind he's got a cup in his hand. Nobody is talking to him. He's kind of fidgeting and dancing and he doesn't know where to look and i mean i just felt that moment i was like oh it's like every room that you walk into when you know nobody like your friends have not shown up yet and you're just like i gotta kill time but i'm not just gonna walk up to random people be mm-hmm. like hey um and, and it's so sad because he knows all these people <laughs> and mm-hmm. he just- he's having this super awkward at a party moment and, and it really hit me really hit me. Yeah. I I felt that. I feel, you Noel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was important too, because. The all of the looks we got at the end there, you know, Noel and Felicity are exchanging a little too long lingering looks. And then Felicity's gaze turns to Ben and Julie in the hallway and Noel yep. watches her watching them. And the expression I think I'm seeing on her face is like, okay, that's fine. And she kind of just walks away. And Interesting. Noel, that's what I thought I was seeing there. I didn't myself pick up a longing from her in that particular look. I did. You did. But ah, I, didn't, I didn't
1: pick up on a longing for Ben. It was just, she had this look and this little smile That was kind of like, you know, it was like a sad little smile that to me communicated she wants what they have. Not that she, yeah, like she was sad that her and Noel weren't together as she's seeing this like intimate moment between them.
0: Yeah. Um, I I think your interpretation absolutely can work with that too. I think that the, the place I thought you were going with that was that she was still having a longing for Ben. And then I was like, well, then it doesn't make any sense how Noel reacted to that because Noel seemed to be mildly gratified by her reaction and by her walking away. Yeah, But it still works with your interpretation of it. So, you know, it's kind of like, well, they have what they have and I want something like it. Okay. Seems fair. I am going to give an award.
2: I'm oh, going to give yeah. an
0: award to most infuriating post-it notes still on Noel's Whoa. door. <laughs> <laughs> Noel has put up a yard sale sign on his door. So Felicity stops for a moment to, to look and register that there is a yard sale sign on his door. But the yard sale sign is slightly covering up the post-it that we remarked on from a previous episode from that mm-hmm. Rebecca Haas.
1: Who no, is you make Rebecca. me wanna. Man, do they like the Spice Girls?
0: Why have why has he still not taken that post-it down?
1: How has it not fallen down?
0: How has it not fallen down? It's a post-it's number one job yeah. to fall. Uh-huh.
1: Weird, like super glue alien post-it. It's pissing us off.
0: Yeah. I I was <laughs> like, I wonder if there are gonna be more fun cryptic post-it notes for us to unpack. They're not more. There's just the same freaking one. (laughs) 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 So that my friends is my award for today. And I'm glad I was able to share that with all of you. I wonder how long this thing is going to stay up on that door.
1: I don't know, but we're going to be looking for it.
0: Let me tell you that. So what else do we have going on? We have Another very important storyline that's happening. A
1: couple, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, we have a couple that are sort of linked. Let's look at Julie yep. and Carol. So Julie, so it, this kind of opens up, I really appreciated that they opened up the, they reopened the Carol storyline by having Elena, Felicity, and Julie hanging out in a room this feels like college to me. They're eating pizza, they're playing music, they're giggling, they're calling each other sweater queen. It's, (laughs) it felt like an actual college moment of just being together and doing things and just, I don't know, being in the same room together. And we haven't seen a lot of these, well, we haven't seen a lot of these characters just hanging out and having fun. We certainly haven't seen them partying, but we haven't seen a lot of moments like this either. It's all been so serious and like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute kind of moments. And here it's just them being with each other. And I appreciated that, but that's gonna be interrupted right quick. Oh, also, by the way, maybe there's another award to be had in here. I don't know, we'll figure it out. Carol shows up interrupting the pizza. So Julie opens the box of pizza. All three grab a piece of pizza. Elena and Felicity do not take a bite of the pizza. Carol walks in. It's a real serious vibe that the the room now gets. Felicity and Elena walk out of the room holding their uneaten pizza. And I asked Fish while we were watching it, how many times do you think they picked the pizza up from the box, walked (laughs) out of the room with it, and then walked back into the room and put the pizza back in the box whole.
1: Yeah. Um, my answer was like enough to upset you.
0: Enough, like this was to happen at least a dozen times. Right. They were like, okay, let's do it again. This time, you know, make it more look like you're going to eat the pizza even more. <laughs> I was like, wow. I just, this, yeah. see, this is how, this is why horror movies don't work on me. I watch a lot of them (laughs) looking for them to scare me, but then I find myself being like, I wonder how many times this actor did this thing or, you know, what were they saying behind the scenes to make them feel the thing or how, how did they know where to look? Uh, It's moments like this where I think to myself, how many times did they, how cold was that pizza Mm
2: -hmm.
0: by the time we got to this take?
1: Yeah. And I think back on, you know, other shows that I've I've kind of heard interviews from and things like that. And, you know, I understand why they didn't take a bite of it because then in every future scene, you have to take a bite. And I'm just remembering there was a scene from parks and rec. I think, I think it was someone's birthday and they went to this, uh, Jurassic park themed restaurant Mm -hmm. and they were sitting there and so uh Nick Offerman plays Ron Swanson for anyone mm-hmm. who hasn't seen it and but he has this really high-pitched laugh in real life and but he's this man's man um and so it was Chris Pratt who was sitting next to him and they they had to sh- shoot the scene over and over again and he wanted to make Ron laugh and so he sat there and they put this plate of ribs in front of him Mm -hmm. and he didn't have much to do in the scenes. We just started eating the ribs and then they had to shoot it over and over again. And he, I think, I mean, he said something like he ate like six, like full ribs, like (laughs) several pigs died just for this. scene. (laughs) And then when they were done, you know, they were already at the restaurant and nobody else had eaten. So they were like, well, let's get dinner. And Chris Pratt ordered like a full, full rack of ribs and, yeah. and sat down and finished them. Yeah. And this is the yeah. stuff
0: I notice now because I, I, I have a particular, uh, a, not obsession. That's not the right word. Fascination with watching the scenes where actors are given food to eat and who actually eats it and how they make it look like they're not eating it if they aren't eating it but they're trying to make it look like they are (laughs) (laughs) i've become so fascinated by this it's like a whole extra layer for me now there's a show that you recently turned me on to pretty little liars and There are, there's a scene where a couple characters, Hannah and Caleb are having a conversation and she dishes out ice cream for both of them. And Hannah, Ashley Benson, the actress, isn't actually eating the ice cream. But Tyler Blackburn polishes off an entire bowl of ice cream in the scene that I saw. So I asked myself, how many bowls of ice cream did Tyler Blackburn eat that day?
1: oh man he must have had the worst like brain freeze
0: (laughs) that's the thing too ice cream is especially dangerous because you can get brain freeze also you can get a sugar high also it can make you feel violently ill (laughs) yeah (laughs) but Tyler Blackbird didn't care he was just like I'm eating this ice cream and to see the two styles side by side where she was like I'm gonna hold the spoon and I'm going to yeah. wave it real close to my mouth a bunch of times and I'm going to almost, and then I'm going to put it down and <laughs> see, I just pile, pile, not only polish off the whole thing, he puts the bowl in the sink empty. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. And that was either the best day on set or the worst.
1: <laughs> Maybe both.
0: Could have been a little bit of both.
1: Yeah. Well, I have my own little thing that I observe and i don't mean to observe it and it always bugs me when it happens because it happens all the time mm-hmm. it's like the level of liquid in a glass oh. between scenes yeah. it's like wait a minute ago there was a quarter of a glass and now it's later and it's half full yeah. how did that happen
0: yeah i
1: didn't see you pour anymore
0: If you're really looking for this stuff in shows, you're going to find it a lot, especially anytime you see them switching camera angles, because they're getting (sighs) coverage from all different angles. And you'll see people standing in different places or holding their arms in different places. And if you really start looking for it, it could bother you. Or you can just sit there and say, they did this scene 37 times.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not looking for it. Like, I don't want to see it, but I do. Yeah. And every time I'm just like, no. Mm.
0: Well, and so there you have it. And this scene, I know that we were supposed to be talking about Julie and Carol, because that's actually the thing that we're meant to be talking about. But I just wanted to make it really clear how I feel about the pizza.
1: Yeah. And that's, that was a nice tangent.
0: Yeah. But hey, let's get back to Carol though, shall we? Um, Yeah.
1: I mean, remember when I was like, oh, Carol's so nice and I like her. I don't feel that way anymore.
0: Okay,
1: talk to me. Well, I mean, look, I get that she had her life, right? You know, she had this, you know, she got pregnant when she was 17, and it just happened to work out, you know, that her parents basically made her give up her baby for adoption, and then the guy that she liked at that time ends up being her husband, you know, Mm -hmm. and she does not want to one she doesn't really want to tell julie what's going on and so throughout this whole episode i was like just tell her what's going on because i also wanted to know um and you know i i I get that that's a bad spot for you to be in but if you're going to come back uh i mean you can't really expect julie not to want to meet her father and her siblings, right?
0: Yeah, Carol's trying to dip her toe in, and she cannot do that in that situation. Like, this mm-hmm. is not a toe-dippable situation. This is mm-hmm. a you cannonball ball into the pool situation. Yeah.
1: It's like she walks in the room, and she's like, I am your mother, but you can never tell anyone about it. And Julie's like, what?
0: Well, so this does happen over... One thing I like about this episode is that they do this over a whole bunch of different scenes between Carol and Julie. And I like the way that it all gets so drawn out because I felt that as somebody watching it, I felt how drawn out this was. It's like every new time we see Carol, we get a little bit more of the story. And I also think that was important because we need to see Julie evolve in this process. And she probably wasn't going to do it all in one conversation. So like that first time that Carol walks in and interrupts the non-pizza eating fest that's happening, <laughs> <laughs> she just says, I am your mother and I should have taken you into my arms and said, yes, I'm your mother and hugged you. And we, we, we stop it there. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what else happened in that conversation, Other than them agreeing to have a conversation. Like, let's set a time to sit down and really unpack this. So that first one is just the reveal. I am, in fact, your mother. I actually did lie to you. I am sorry about that.
1: And Julie completely, seemingly forgiving her and being happy about it. Yeah, she's
0: smiling. She's happy about this. But... It's not going to stay that way because then they're going to go out. They're going to get dinner at Epstein bar or something at Epstein bar. And now we get that next level of the conversation. Yeah. I am your mother. Let's keep it between us. Shall we? My husband, Tom doesn't know about you.
1: Yeah. She, the husband, Tom doesn't know that I had a baby before we met. That is what Carol says
0: hmm yeah so she lies blatantly and
1: i mean technically that's the truth she didn't tell them well before they met i mean before they met
0: yeah that that would be a lie i didn't even pick up on that part if she told julie that that's a lie but she definitely is revealing to julie You're a secret and I want you to stay that way. And Mm -hmm. we see Julie's demeanor shift a bit. You know, she was happy to have Carol as a mom in the first conversation. In this second one, she's feeling pretty iffy about the secretive nature of it. But she goes along. She's like, yeah, okay. But what we're getting is a really drawn out, okay? That's not actually okay
1: for Julie. It's interesting because this is another time that I see someone having to defend someone else because Ben is the one who actually comes up to Julie and says, wait, she's keeping you a secret. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: Julie starts making all these excuses about how hard it must have been and this, that, and the other. But it seems like he's given her a little earworm there.
0: Yeah, he's like, well, then you're more understanding than I would be in this situation. I actually really liked how Ben handled this. Yeah, I, I liked that he started it with an open-ended question with her. Like, hmm. so, so he said, you know, oh, okay. So she, let me catch up here. She's asking to keep you a secret. And then he says to her of all the things he could have said, he says, why did she come back? You think? Yeah. And it's just like, I, I believe as we, as this conversation progresses, we do see that he has a point of view here, but I think by starting it that way, He's not putting Julie on the defensive. He's making her a, a thinker in this conversation and saying, what's Carol's point of view? And then, you know, when she puts her point of view out, when she puts the point of view or her answer out there, Ben's like, but why now, though? Yeah. Y- you know, like, why is she uncomfortable with this secret? Like, He's just poking little holes in the story that's unfolding. And he's making Julie do the same thing.
1: Well, it's clear that she's not being told the full story.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, I mean, I think that's part of what she was feeling. You know, um, I mean, Julie then decides, well, you know, I need to go talk to Carol again. Mm -hmm. And she approaches her at work. And it is very clear that Carol is really uncomfortable with Julie just showing up at her work. Yeah. And, you know, Julie now seems like she feels kind of hurt to me. It seemed like her expression was saying, you know, and she says, I feel like you, Carol, are ashamed of me Mm -hmm. because you're not telling anyone. And Carol still does not clear anything up at this point. Um,
0: Well, I don't even know if if Julie gives Carol an opening to clear things up. She's more just stating Mm -hmm. that, hey, that bit where I nodded my head yesterday while you were doing all the talking and saying you were going to keep me a secret, I'm going to unnod my head now. She says, I don't want to be kept a secret. Mm
2: -hmm. I think
0: her only real goal in this conversation is to undo her response from the night before after having given it thought.
1: I don't feel like Julia's that goal oriented i feel like i mean at least in this in this way i feel like she reacts from a place of emotion Mm -hmm. um in a very different way than many of the other characters Mm -hmm. and so the way that i kind of feel that she works is she didn't feel satisfied you know she she felt hurt and she felt like a conversation needed to be had Mm -hmm. uh where she could you know Just kind of express herself. And so she just shows up at Carol's work, trying to have this kind of emotional connection with her and kind of explain what she's feeling inside.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I don't think she went there thinking there would be a particular outcome.
0: Yeah, I don't Um, think she, I don't know that she had an idea of where it was going to go. But I think to her, the most important thing to be said was what she said I'm not okay with the terms of a relationship that you set. And this actually to me of, of all the scenes that they have in this episode was the most important heavy lifting scene because not only does Julie go to Carol and she's still being cautious, but she says, I'm not okay with the terms. She overhears the, the dinner plans that are being made for four at LaConda. And she sees a little girl walk into the room, Amanda, who's Carol's daughter, and she knows that there's some relationship to her. And boy, this gets the wheels turning for Julie.
1: Yeah, maybe as a scene. But I would say, I think as an, as an actor, the hardest scene came later. And I, yeah. you know, we'll talk a little more. Well, there's emotional
0: that. stuff later. I think yeah. this scene had to set up a lot to get there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Julie does meet, but she thinks that that point in time is her half sister. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think the moment for me where it all became a little more real.
0: Yeah.
1: It was like, she sees this girl. And up until then, I guess I was kind of feeling like you know, this is Carol's choice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if Julie doesn't want to have the relationship, she doesn't have to, because Carol didn't want, you know, she didn't have to come back and the adoption was sealed. Um, you know, Julie went out of her way to hire a private investigator and is kind of blowing up her life. Mm-hmm. But then I see this girl walk in and I'm like, but on the other hand, that's a sister,
2: you mm-hmm. know, Yeah,
1: I mean, I feel like it's different than, I guess, a mother or father, although the fact that her father wasn't told, I think changes that for me. Um, But, you know, for someone who's made a decision, fine. But for me, it's more about, like, the sisters and brothers and, like, you don't get that time back with the kids. And... You know, these are, these are the people who, you know, when your parents are gone, like are, you know, potentially in an ideal world, you know, going to be around and mm-hmm. going to be your family. Yeah. So
0: I mean, negative 400,000 points to Carol, because if she didn't want this, she didn't have to come back. Yeah. where it had been Yes. Julie found Carol through a private investigator. She took the internship. She really inserted herself into Carol's life. She reveals that I'm looking for my birth mother. And I think you're my birth mother. Carol lies, denies it. And Julie leaves. Julie has exited this story. Carol could just live with this,
2: yep. you know, uh, Yeah, absolutely. she
0: reopened this and everything that comes with it. And now she's not willing to deal with it. Eh, I don't know, Carol.
2: Yeah. Fish or I cut actually bait.
0: wrote
1: down uh, for the next scene. I just wrote down, Carol, get your shit together.
0: Yeah. You're the adult <laughs> in this situation. I mean, yeah, she's laying a lot on her kid. A yeah. lot. And she didn't have to. I don't know. Yeah. She doesn't want to feel the things she's feeling anymore. I get it but you're the mom. If, do one yeah. thing for your kid. <laughs> like, or be ready for all of the natural, everything that Julie is asking about here, asking for, asking questions about, seems completely reasonable to me for the situation she's now in. They are, I think, questions that I would expect to come up. And Carol could have predicted this.
1: I, I almost feel like, Carol could have left it after the work incident. She she even could have left it there, but it's almost like she can't stay away. Yeah. So she knows Julie's going to be playing. She shows up again to give her more information and somehow thinks that by saying, look, I, you know, I was 17, I got pregnant. I never told the guy my parents were only supportive if i gave you up
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then later i met the same guy and married him mm-hmm. so i mean julie's response is kind of looking at carol going but you married him and you never told him about me
0: so your now husband is my actual dad amanda's right. my actual sister <laughs> Like, yeah, what, what are you more than
1: half she sister yeah. yeah and she's carol i Three kids, right? Mm-hmm. Three kids. So she's got three siblings, a mother and a father, all biological.
0: Uh, does and she have three siblings? She, they made a reservation for four at Laconda.
1: That's what I asked. Like, I thought Carol said she had three kids, but I could be wrong about that. Maybe so...
0: she was folding Julie into that. Oh, maybe. Convenient, Carol. Mm-hmm. Convenient.
1: <laughs> yeah. But she's, this... got, she's got this whole other you know, biological family over here that now she knows about. And of course she says, well, I want to meet Tom and mm-hmm. Carol. It, Carol is there thinking that this explanation is going to make sense to Julie
0: mm-hmm. because
1: it makes sense to her. She's yeah. like, once you hear this, you will understand why I can't tell him. Yeah. And Julie's response, I think, is, is two-part. On the one hand, she does seem horrified that mm-hmm. this is what Carol has done. And, but, but it's like she doesn't take the extra step to kind of look at in that moment at how it is really going to potentially destroy this family.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If Carol says anything or if Julie comes in. So that's why I feel like they're just building all of this tension
0: mm-hmm.
1: over these scenes to the to this dinner night.
0: And I and I appreciated that in this scene after Julie's open so Carol had come back to Epstein Bar because in the first dinner they had together at Epstein Bar. Lynn had come over brought their food over and invited Carol not knowing who Carol was invited Carol to Julie's open mic night and he was so complimentary he was adorable he was being Lynn he's like little body big voice you just (laughs) love Lynn in that moment he's totally into like Julie being an open mic performer and he's being a good friend and Carol now knows this open mic is happening. So this time when she comes back and she's sitting in a corner watching Julie from behind, I love the camera work while Julie's singing. She's singing a song that is a dig at Carol. I deserve a little bit of you. Oof. Uh, Uh Carol's like, well, can't slink out of here unnoticed. (laughs) And, you know, we're getting that sort of like fading... You know, fading where the camera focus is going as you're looking at both of them. And then Carol has this new conversation where she reveals this more information, like you were just saying. And what I like here, Julie gets angry for the first time. Yeah. She's like, okay, enough's enough. Get over yourself. What are you doing to me? Get your shit together, (laughs)
2: Carol.
0: (laughs) Like, I'm asking you for things that I, like, read a game theory book, Carol. (laughs) What would I be wanting in this situation? Maybe ask yourself that before you drop bombs on me over and over and over again. And, you know, Julie wants to take some control in this situation now for the first time. Uh, Or at least for the first time in this episode. Because everything's been happening to her. (laughs) And she's kind of, like, done with being passive.
1: I mean, she did decide to go see Carol at work but she she gets shut down Mm
0: -hmm.
2: a
1: lot. I did want to pause just for a moment on Lynn. I kind of got the feeling that he did know who Carol was. Do you think? Either maybe through Ben or if Julie had said something. And in the scene where she's playing at the open mic, I could be 100% wrong about this, but I feel like Lynn was giving her this look. Mm -hmm. And I was like... Is he into Julie? Like, where is his girlfriend?
0: Like, yeah, where did Nicole go? He's Nicole's still there. He's in. I ultimately know that he is into Nicole, so okay. I, the I can appreciate that you might have been thinking, "What's this?" He's working and looking up at Julie, and but yeah, I think he's proud intense. of her. I think that he's. I think that he's her. He's truly feeling like a friend to her maybe feels a little protective over because you have to remember the first open mic night she did she was really nervous Ben wasn't there he was the one that basically calmed her down to get her on stage and maybe he feels a certain protectiveness over her now in that way and you know he got her back on stage a second time and everybody's really into her music you know everybody's riveted by her and I think he's proud I think he's friend proud Although if you didn't know where this was headed, I think you could think that he's headed towards a different kind of crowd. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. They
1: just lingered on his face a bit, a bit long in that shot for me not to have a second to think,
2: hmm.
0: Well, they gave us a bunch of moments, right? Because later at the party, uh, my my notes my notes from Julie's party, my first notes were Lynn and Julie dance across room. Noel blows balloon nervously.
1: What is up with him chewing on the balloon? Yeah, it was weird. weird.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why these are my notes. But I enjoy the way the camera tracks Julie and Lynn as they're dancing across the room. And again, you might be thinking, where's Ben? I think something that we are meant to start taking away from this episode is that Ben is getting more and more distracted And he's there for her sometimes, but he's also got his own stuff going on. And Lynn is there as a friend, also supportive to her in those moments. Like he's there for her at least as much of the time as Ben is in this episode. And I Mm -hmm. think it's important that they're bonding in that way while Ben has his own stuff going on. And I I think we will see that evolve a little bit more.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: So that that clears that up for me. So it was not a a weird nod to something weird and romantic in the future.
0: It's not a nod to something weird and romantic in the future, but it exists in this episode. You picked up on it. So I think they're certainly showing us that Lynn and Julie are getting closer and it's fair game for somebody to interpret that on a first watch or a, I don't remember the show very well watch to think, oh, is this something more? Yeah. but that's kind of, that would be leading you in a direction that won't be requited. So.
2: Okay. Meh. I'm okay
1: with that. I'm, I'm actually good with that. Cause I feel like Lynn and Julie would be weird. Um,
0: yeah, okay. I think they're good friends. I, I like, I think they're good as friends
1: and I'm good with that. Yeah. So we've got Julie, you know, hearing all this stuff from Carol and then showing up at the restaurant. And at first she just sees Carol with her kids who I was trying to count because I wasn't sure how many of them there were. And then I got totally distracted because Tom comes over and Tom is Bradley Whitford. He's one of my favorite actors. So uh, I feel like this is not going to go anywhere now because you know of the reaction that Julie had. But I so would have loved like a whole season of Bradley Whitford getting to know Julie. Mm. Oh, he's so dreamy. I love him. I love him.
0: Well, you're not gonna get what you want exactly.
1: <laughs> but is he gonna show up again? I don't
0: think he shows up again. <sighs>
1: he doesn't even say anything and i was just like oh
0: bradley yeah and i, thought, and I, don't I felt think like he that shows was true again, but he's gonna be a plot point
1: yeah well i'll just have to like stare at a screenshot of him while he's being a plot point
0: yeah um he's a good plot point
1: I'm, he's a great actor it was a good get
0: bradley whitford as a plot point yeah you know uh, <laughs> But seeing this, oh, there's my actual family sitting in a restaurant.
1: Biological. There's her biological family. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Because, you know, what I see in her face, and this is the scene that I think she did incredibly well and Mm -hmm. probably took a lot. She is on the outside. And the way that they shoot this, you know, shows her being so alone and Mm -hmm. so... Isolated from everyone she's related to mm-hmm. and looking so sad yeah. and just devastated. And I felt devastated for her, but at the same time, saying, you know, like kind of fully realizing at this point what she would be putting in jeopardy and not being able to do it.
2: Yeah.
1: You just she can't go over there and potentially ruin this family. And so she does what I think is kind of, I would say this was a great moment for her. I think she did the the right thing. Mm -hmm. She goes home and she calls her real family. She calls her dad. She has her own family. Her mom comes on the phone. She's still sad. She's still hurt. But what she says is that she misses them. And I think that's part of it. She's away at college for the first time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yes, she's, she's devastated by what has just happened. But she also has the comfort and support and love of her family, who, you know, when we remember back to Zach, were there for her and understood and have been around. And it seems like they do have a healthy relationship.
0: Yeah, it does seem that way. And she doesn't say a thing about what she just saw, but it was more of a comforting conversation for her to have with, by the way, with a phone that had a lot of stickers on it.
1: Yeah, it did. Did you
0: see that? <laughs> yeah, she's, she is adorned. She has festooned her phone, her landline yeah. phone, with all kinds of stickers, tiny little stickers all over the place. <laughs> yep. Uh, so she's got a sticker full phone and <laughs> she's making a sad call to her parents. And I, I Julie does point. a lot of sad, but she does yeah. it really well.
1: Yeah, I, I do hope at some point they start bedazzling things in the show. I feel like that whole phone being bedazzled would have been.
0: How just... would you bedazzle a phone exactly?
1: Well, I guess in in that case it'd be more like hot gluing. Yeah. Stuff to Redstones. it.
0: Stones. Okay. Or... That seems. She seems like a flower sticker kind of girl.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it doesn't have to be her that bedazzle stuff, but I just, I'd love that. You want to be dazzling.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know you're going to get that. Usually when you ask for things, the show delivers. Well,
1: I mean, in all fairness, (laughs) the whole show could have been bedazzled up to now and you wouldn't have noticed. Yeah. So I might get it.
0: Well, we'll see how it goes. we you're absolutely right (laughs) (laughs) like you could have just been like melissa 90 percent of the episodes had dazzled stuff and we're like oh okay that's fine yeah all right well yeah so that's julie and that's carol and i think your point about how julie handled things at the restaurant is well taken i think that she's been put in a terrible position by carol Carol has deferred her terrible position to Julie. Oh. And she's, you know, I don't know how she's feeling about what she's done to Julie, but maybe she feels like she can wash her hands of this situation. Julie has the truth. D- d- and, you know, devil may care what happens with Julie now. And Carol's just kind of going about her business. And Julie is left holding the hot potato. So... You know, I think that Julie makes um what's the word that I want? An empathetic decision here. It's not the best thing for her, but it's the best thing for this biological family that she's looking at. And she bows out of the situation as much as it pains her. And she has to live with this now. And negative 40,000 points or 400,000, how many, however many negative points I gave to Carol before it I reiterate is that
1: over 400,000 could have
0: been 4 million. I don't know. And <laughs> however it's, I double it. And, you know, Carol <laughs> has decided to offload her pain and make it Julie's pain.
1: Yeah. Now,
0: and I that's... don't have, I want to be clear about this too. Carol's story of how it all arrived at this point, I can understand it. She got pregnant, she was scared. Her boyfriend, her whatever he was at that point, her ex, I don't know, was going to study abroad. He was still a student. He couldn't even support her if he hadn't been studying abroad. Her parents were gonna support her. They said, our terms for that are that you have to give this child up. She stayed under lock and key cloak and dagger, all the hidden things while she was pregnant, had this kid, gave the kid up and basically went on with the rest of her life feeling whatever she felt about this and not looking for Julie. And I can understand that story and I can feel for her and I can feel the pressures that she would have felt. And, you know, the mixed emotions of it all. She didn't have to come back today. (laughs) You know, like she didn't have to go interrupt Julie's birthday planning, non-pizza eating session to tell Julie, I really am your mom. Yeah. So that's where this comes apart for me. And with that decision comes a cascade of other choices that she wasn't ready to make and still put this on her kid.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess... I think, I mean, I agree. Carol has not done good things. Uh, That's why I changed my opinion of her and no longer think that she is sweet and nice. Um, But I think we also have to remember at this point that she didn't go looking for Julie.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, like she specifically did not. And everyone earlier, you know, had said, wait, you have to hire a private investigator. Oh, you're going to apply for a job there or an internship. But I mean, are you sure you want to do this, Julie? And a bit of that is coming back to roost. I mean, some Mm -hmm. of Julie's decisions have led to this point. And I, again, not I'm not saying that she deserves it or assigning blame for it. I'm just saying her, she also has made choices,
0: yeah, this where is an she outcome. has opened
1: herself up to the possibility of getting really hurt, and she yeah. was warned many times that that's exactly what she was doing, yeah, and she still did it, yeah. So the situation is terrible. I I actually do blame Carol um, for parts of this, even though you know I not being a mother, I can't possibly understand what it's like to have your daughter show up and then deny her. And then again, it seems like she's a moth drawn to a flame at this point. It's like she Mm -hmm. can't stay away. But at some point being the adult, being the mother, you have to make those hard choices. And in the end, I think Julie is the one who made the hard choice Mm -hmm. and and I, I don't know how Carol's feeling, but I'm guessing it's not good. I'm guessing she's in a lot of pain and also probably a ton of anxiety because she doesn't know what's going to happen with her family that, that she has around the table now. So I'm guessing she is going through a lot. Um, but, you know, Julie is the one who I think made the right de- decision. I think yeah. just blowing up that family d- was it was never going to be the right decision. And so I give her a lot of credit for walking away and saying, really, I think what she was saying through the call is like, I I have a supportive family and I should connect with them.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's complicated. I'm glad that we're talking about it. I'm glad I have a chance to talk with you about it. I'm would absolutely love to hear from any listeners who have any sort of perspective on this. We only can talk about this from our own perspectives or from the life experiences that we've had and try to be empathetic and try to imagine what's going on in this situation, but it's yeah, very I complicated. It's,
1: it's one of those things where, I mean, I think I said in an earlier episode, like, I don't know my biological father, he left my mother before I was born, I had a relationship with with my grandmother on his side and I have a half sister and he has kept me secret from that entire side of the family. So I've met my grandmother and my aunt and her husband. And those are the only three people from that side of the family. um, In addition to him that I think really know I exist. I mean, there used to be more, I think they were older because he was my mother's high school sweetheart. And so they had been together for like 20 some years, um, maybe not 20, 15 years, um, and married for nine of them. Mm-hmm. So she was around quite a bit, and people knew her, and you know, then she got pregnant, and you know, and he you know, he, he didn't come looking for me, and I never came looking for him. The only thing I have is like a very old picture of my half-sister when she was really young that Mm -hmm. my grandmother gave me before she passed well over 10 years ago now. Um, But I just, you know, I- I, So how do you,
0: can you relate to Julie at all in the fact that she really wanted to have this connection and wanted to see what this woman was like?
1: no and wow. and i think that's what i was saying in the earlier episodes is i've never had that desire to like see what i look like in someone else or or anything like that i just you know i i can't feel that pain that she's going through yeah but the decision and again this is probably why seeing the sister was the part that hit me the hardest because i think that that is the only part that is difficult for me mm-hmm. is never meeting my sister. I don't really care about the rest of the people. Um, I mean, I'm glad I knew my my grandmother and you know the aunt that I knew is is very nice, and I could still get in touch with them. And you know, I know his name, I know where he works, and I know the state at least where he lives. You know, I know some like basics. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, could I go track him down and you know? say hi yeah I guess I could but I just I I think what this girl would learn about her father and mother it it was not a a pretty situation for them let's just say I I don't think they did some very morally great things and you know on the one hand it's like yeah I'd get to meet my half-sister and I don't have any full siblings um So, you know, I'd get to meet my half sister, but on the other hand, she would have to learn some pretty rough stuff. Yeah. And I don't know what that would do. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: That's a lot to live with, you know, and I think we, it it puts a, a different angle on this for me as well, because I think the way that seeing Amanda, the what we first think of as a half sister, but it turns out is biological sister fully. Um, you, You were seeing in it something more about your life experience. And when I saw Amanda, I thought maybe Julie's feeling like, oh, this is a child of Carol's that she's willing to own. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that, there's the level of okay, so I'm the secret kid. And this is the kid who gets to run around the office with everybody knowing that she's her daughter. You know, it's it's like another way of looking at the situation, but a totally different angle of it. And I, you know, I don't necessarily know what that was for Julie. I'm not aware of any siblings she has with her adoptive parents. So you know I I guess she has been an only child in the household where she grew up and you know maybe she really wanted to have that kind of sibling relationship and here it is but she can't have it
1: yeah and I can't remember exactly the order that she says things in in that scene um in terms of Julie saying that she felt Carol was ashamed of her or but but I got the feeling that she did feel exactly what you just said, like, oh, everyone can know that this girl is your daughter, but not me. Mm-hmm. I did feel that from that scene.
0: And that sense to the secret, the assistant, Carol's assistant, when she walks in, I believe she has a name and I can't remember what it is in the show. She, she recognizes Julie as the intern that quit,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know? So now Julie may also be thinking, All right. I show up in the office. Carol whisks me away into her office room, shuts the door, has this conversation. And, you know, here, this assistant knows that I was there. Carol's going to have to explain this and she's going to be shady about it. But Amanda walks in and we're making dinner reservations and we're saying hi to the daughter. And I don't know, there's a lot to the emotions behind this and you know it's hard to know exactly what Julie's feeling but I think all of this could be at play
2: yeah
1: you said it's it's a tough episode for for Julie and I give her credit for where she she comes out of it in the end um and meanwhile she had her her parents support
0: Yeah, she did. And I think that's good. And we've seen that consistently from them. So I appreciate that. But the, where we're, where we're seeing less and less support as time goes by.
1: Yes. Good transition. With her
0: boyfriend, Ben. Yeah, that guy. Let's loop in Sean and Ben here. Cause I, you know, Sean makes a couple of appearances here and there. Um, And I think I, I say that because when we first see Ben, we shortly thereafter see Sean coming down from his loft bedroom, and he's got a contraption of some sort on his head. He's got a new invention. It's an anti headache contraption of <laughs> sorts. It's like a bow and arrow without the arrow that you put all the way on your head, and he's clanging into things as he mm-hmm. walks down the stairs. And Julie and Ben just look at him thinking, what's happening in your life? <laughs> um, he explains the invention. They think it's funny. And then Ben gives Sean the rent check or well, partial rent check.
1: Right. I mean, yeah. He says, you know, Dean DeLuca's not, not cutting it. So I'm going to have to find the second job. So yeah. we know that there's pressure there and we know that Sean is going to give in mm-hmm. and let Ben stay. And, you know, he says, you know, when did I become this guy's dad? And Ben again highlights that his dad's a dick. Yeah. He says, you know, my dad would have kicked me out. Um, and Julie, being the kind and empathetic person she is, you know, encourages Sean to pursue his dream of the compression head bow, Mm
2: -hmm. which he
1: had not actually named, but you're welcome, Sean.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And so Sean says, you know, I don't care. Don't care what your money situation is. You get this girl a good birthday gift.
0: Oh, we don't need all this pressure. (laughs) Sean, you should be looking out for yourself here. With the, many, the money that Ben doesn't have, he should be paying you with that money. <laughs>
1: I know. That's not a very smart business move, Sean.
0: Yeah. Uh, but you also, your... you know, just the pressure to get that gift for Julie. It's like, he says it right in front of Julie.
1: And Julie, uh, to her credit, is like, don't you dare. Don't you dare spend a penny on me. You know, I mean, he, he could do something like a mixtape.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that's a thing at at that time, you know, he, he, I feel like Julie doesn't need, doesn't need material things.
0: I agree. I don't see Julie as somebody who's been desperately looking for material things through this whole season so far. So it doesn't, plus she, yeah. I I mean, he ultimately is going to get a a guitar, but she has a guitar, you know, it's, it's like a really sweet gift, but I, it's, it's very generous. Um, but he doesn't, you know i think he's succumbing to pressure here and
1: yeah and i mean we can go back and talk about how he how he affords the guitar but i was kind of surprised that she accepted that i mean i like knowing his money situation and i know he said hey you know my dad sent me some more money but even then i don't know even if I'd been dating someone for a, a while and, you know, I kind of knew their relationship with their dad and, and if money was an issue, I don't know. I would be really uncomfortable, Me too. especially if I haven't given them something of kind of the similar level of, you know, the cost the same amount. Um, like if we had decided, I don't know, to like split a vacation, that would mm-hmm. be one thing. But I don't know this thing about guys getting girls expensive. I don't know. It's just a personal thing. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. So it I, would make I felt me uncomfortable
0: too. But especially knowing that he's been having money trouble and that he gives his out here, which is my dad sent me more money. But that is not the dad he's been describing. So right, it's like oh, uh, so things are fine with your dad. Like I, I, I it's just. Too many questions, I think, to accept a gift like that. But she does. I almost feel like she would have been just as fine with the guitar pick.
1: Yeah. The I mean, cute she gift was,
0: that she thought she was getting.
1: Absolutely. And, and maybe, maybe she just says it because they're out and it's a party and they'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that. But, yeah, and that's probably what I would have done. Like, I wouldn't have had that conversation there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it definitely would have made, I don't know that I could have kept it off my face. How yeah. uncomfortable that would have made me.
0: Yeah, but, but he did it nonetheless. Um, and, you know, how, how does he get that gift? Well, Lynn has introduced okay. Ben to gambling and Barry.
1: And this is, again, where temptation comes up. I mean, Lynn is not a good influence at this point. Um, he is tempting Ben. He is goading him on. He is flaunting his two G's.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, made off that one bet right in front of Ben. He's connecting him with his bookie. He's covering his first bet. You know, he he's going from 100 to 200 to $300. I mean, this is like the definition of a pusher, but i feel like he's not doing it like on behalf of this bookie he's just he wants someone to do this with you know Mm -hmm. but ben's not the guy i feel like ben is he doesn't he's not going to be able to roll with the up and downs yeah i mean that does not seem and he's he's starting to worry me because he's pulling back he's being a little bit more quiet and man when he was watching the game yeah and sean came by i got a little nervous i was like is he just gonna like lose it if his team loses Mm -hmm. and the whole thing was making me uncomfortable
0: yeah well i think it's meant to right he's and and part of how we get there is that he is gambling with money he doesn't really have so he's gambling out of desperation
1: well, he's gambling with house money now, right? Because Lynn's covering him. So if he loses, Lynn's paying it. Yeah. But this is like the first taste, right?
0: Yeah. And he just so happens that he wins this bet. Yeah.
1: But she had lost because they win the first one.
0: Yeah. So it's, you know, and but you can see, like you said, he's watching this game, he's totally withdrawn. He's just shaking in with his nerves and you know Sean enters the room and he just can't with Sean like he just doesn't have he just he t- he doesn't have the bandwidth for everything that's happening and yeah it's but uh, what I appreciate about getting to this point is how much of a setup they've been doing for it I mean he's been yeah. having money troubles for a while and he's but he's been trying to fix it you know like He's, you know, had the conversations with Sean. He got a job at Dean and DeLuca. He's, you know, he's taken a number of steps that were within his means that were like the reasonable, logical things to do. And And he's still struggling.
1: But he was on a path to, you know, get a second job and and look at it that way. We did get a hint of this when he was gambling and losing on darts. Mm -hmm. Um, But... You know, it, the other the other piece that I'm picking up on here that has me worried is he's so reactive. So when he when he actually starts gambling and he can get the money, you know, he, there's tension when he's watching the game, and then as soon as his team is up, he is writing the full rent check to Sean mm-hmm. but saying don't cash it yet. So it's like like when you were saying earlier, you know, he's, he's playing with money. He doesn't have, well, that's the money he doesn't have yet is Mm -hmm. the rent check to Sean. Like he is willing to take that step Mm -hmm. and that does not bode well for someone who's going to continue to gamble.
0: And he, and he uses some of that money to buy Julie's guitar. So it's like, he needs to be, you know, like on airplanes, when they say put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on the pers- person next to you, to you, he has to be doing that here. He's not okay. His he's not getting. His dad has a fit, has actually withdrawn support. He clearly hasn't felt comfortable enough to approach his mom. So he, this is going to be a continuing problem. He needs his money. <laughs> like it would make sense for him to put it away until he needs. for next semester or like to get through, like how much money could he have made on this one bet? You know,
1: what what were the odds? Was it six to one on 300 bucks?
0: What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Goes to show you that I'm not a gambler. Um, That
1: means he would have gotten $1,800.
0: Okay. So again, different time periods cost of rent, cost of tuition, whatever, but it was different. $1,800 does not sound like a lot to be thinking that you are made of money now.
2: No.
1: And I mean, I, I agree. I like, um, doesn't he
0: owe Sean rent monthly?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's sort of, for me is this idea. If it comes in once, That it's going to keep coming in i mean that that is part of the addiction to gambling right and Mm -hmm. you know you can't rely on it so what should he be doing he should be saving it right and and using it to go find another job that is steady income you can only play with money that is you know to the side you know that that you don't need you can only gamble with money you can afford to lose Mm -hmm. and and I just don't think he has that.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know, it it's not looking great.
0: Yeah. No, it is not. And so mm-hmm. we are on this path now with Ben and we're anxious about it.
2: And, I'm and worried, you know,
0: things um, in that household aren't great. I mean, Julie's, this is Ben's situation. Julie's now been dealing with all this stuff with Carol and Sean, in his own way has dealt with some small tragedy which was you know he was worried about that second date with Chloe he's looking for a good place for a bad date and then she cancels again on him apparently the computer catalog uh, card catalog crashed again he says this would be the librarian equivalent of washing her hair (laughs)
2: Oh, Chloe!
1: What are you doing to this poor man? Have you not seen how cute his butt is? Uh,
0: poor Sean. He's uh, not poor lucky Sean. in love right now.
1: No, not at the moment.
0: That's and everybody in their apartment.
1: <laughs> yep. Maybe it's... we won't see. Um, we won't see her again. But hopefully, Sean will find the right girl. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's fine with it because he's saying, look, you want a bad first date because his theory is if you have a good first date, then you have a disaster, a second date.
2: Yeah. So
1: if you have a bad first date, then the second date is going to be awesome. So it's a theory. Suppose, it is. It, if he can get to that second date or the first one
2: mm-hmm.
1: without her canceling, then
0: it, yeah, that might work. Yeah. So, you know, all of this, the the one thing I haven't mentioned from my notes here is my notes from an optimist. And I think it's worth pointing those out now. Uh, Boy, there was a lot of really heavy stuff in this episode, but I feel like my notes pulled from this conversation Felicity had with Noel where She's saying the things that she knows she'd regret if she didn't say them. And I think that that's something that we need to do in life sometimes because there's, you know, in this situation, Felicity going to Noel and opening up the lines of communication and saying, well, don't go because what if we could have something more than we have right now, but we won't if you go. And it's a scary conversation to have. But she probably regretted if she didn't have it. And so I think in life, if there's stuff that you feel like you really do need to say, if a relationship is going to move forward, it has to be said, but you don't say it, you'll always wonder. And She left that mystery out for the future. It's still not clear what direction things are headed in for her. And sometimes it takes a while when you, when you put the words out there to figure out what's really going to happen with them and how somebody's really feeling. But the fact that you initiated it with that honesty and with that, um, you know, the, the reveal that you need to make for that person to know what you're really thinking gives an opportunity for a meaningful relationship to actually go somewhere so to me that felt like a lesson we can all learn
1: yeah i i would provide a i guess a bit of caution there i would just say um maybe i guess the angle i would take with it is to have sort of the wisdom to know when it's right and when it's not to say what you need to say because on the one hand, we do have that moment with Felicity and Noel, absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: On the other hand, Carol probably should have kept her mouth shut.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, there there are times when maybe, perhaps, even though we feel that we really want to say something, that uh, it's not the responsible thing to do. So, um, and there you think- have
0: it, optimist and cynic playing out right in front of you.
1: <laughs> but I think you agree that. Carol should have kept her mouth shut since I know you said earlier she should have kept her mouth shut and she didn't have to show up. Um, so I think it's more about like, you know, know, having the wisdom to know the difference, which is still a, an optimistic view of things.
0: Sure. Thank you for your contribution, Fish. <laughs> That oh. was my attempt at
1: optimism. You guys,
0: you understand why we titled the podcast this way, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so.
1: Melissa says we should all communicate freely and honestly. And I say, meh, no. <laughs> that, to that way lies disaster and ruin.
0: <laughs> oh, that's why we love you, Fish. That's why we love you. Um, you know who didn't have anything to say this episode?
1: Ah. Uh. Oh yeah, nope. Sally has gone deep underground <laughs> and uh she's you know, she thought she was gonna get out and um I don't know, maybe maybe her and Emmett have, have run off to some island. Or something and are just like living it up and who who knows. Maybe she's drinking pina coladas getting and uh rain.
0: getting knows? caught in the rain. Yeah, well, I guess right around now, the makers of the show were regretting the device. <laughs> I don't think it's the last time. I think we will hear more tapes from Sally. But uh, gosh, <laughs> they're regretful at this moment in time. Yeah, it's been a it's been a minute since we've gotten a tape from Sally. Yep. even though we are continuing to see felicity leave tapes for her
1: yes yeah so we've we've half the device going on so yeah. the mail the male is working in one direction
0: yeah and felicity keeps leaving tapes for sally hearing nothing back yeah. <laughs> she's being ghosted by sally And next time we get a tape from felicity to sally it'll be like sally are you there yeah sally I have updates, but I need to know why, (laughs) why are gone?
1: (laughs) Only there was a device where I could connect to you immediately.
0: Uh, I think that's the thing they were realizing. (laughs) 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 They're like, why are you, why is she leaving tapes? Why? Even now in, (laughs) you know, in the year 1999, why is she doing it this way? Yeah. And that's, that's what you have. But, uh, I do want to mention before we go on to our ratings that we've got some really lovely listener feedback.
1: We uh, we love
0: our listeners. They're they're the absolute best. And I wanted to, uh, to make you feel good fish, especially having just talked about your cynicism, (laughs) we've got somebody who validates it, Uh, If I haven't done it enough, we need more people. Everybody jump in and tell Fish how amazing she is. (laughs) At Ruby and Simba 13 on Instagram says, I love how Fish comments on things like Ben isn't really a good swimmer. And the song Todd was playing would have made it hard to focus on finals. It's hard to have a very logical brain in the world. I feel you, Fish. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I am probably the only person who, like, at summer camp when you're young, you you know, you do those sort of superlative things, right? At the end of however long you were at summer camp, Uh um, where you get like, this person was the most friendly and this person was the best swimmer. And I don't even know how a bunch of like young girls came up with this, but I got the superlative and a piece of paper, which I have kept. It was written with green marker uh, of I was the most logical.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, even at a, a very, I don't know how old I was, probably somewhere in the eight to 10 <laughs> range. <laughs> And that is what a bunch of people had to say after spending the summer with me.
0: You told you me a are... story once about you, like little you in a class yeah. where a teacher was mm-hmm. like, you. there was like a reading circle yeah. and all the kids were over with the teacher. <laughs> and you were sitting at your desk and the teacher was like, Fish, but your real name, come over here. And you're like, I can hear you just fine where I am.
1: Yeah, this is a story my parents like to tell a lot because they went into a a parent-teacher conference with my first grade, first grade teacher? Yeah, my first grade teacher. And, you know, you have your day broken up and there was story time and it was over in the corner and it was after, I guess, some sort of, like, we were playing with Play-Doh or molding clay or something And whatever I was working on, I seemed to like. And, you know, the teacher had said, you know, why don't you come over here? And I was just like, no, it's fine. I can hear you. And so she said it like again. And I was like, yeah, but I can hear you. And at this point, she tells my parents, um, yeah, I just went over and took her by the hand and sat her down in the circle because I realized I was losing to first (laughs) grader
2: (laughs)
0: yeah yeah
1: some people are just born with it
0: yeah it was not a learned trait yeah
1: (laughs) but that makes complete sense to me still to this day i'm like why does everyone have to sit in the circle yeah it makes no sense to me i could feel like a story
0: that's really representative of your life and maybe mine as well
1: Yes that's the other thing I'd like to say that it's Melissa nice. is also incredibly logical she just happens to take it with an optimistic bent whereas I I find absurdist humor in the things around me and that's how I stand the world I'm just like <laughs> this is insane and hilarious and I'm quietly crying on the inside no oh, what no. I mean is <laughs> no I wow. find I find the world to be a hilarious place and it is just every proof that god has the best sense of humor.
0: Yeah, that seems yeah. that seems fair. And yeah. we want to thank Cat Ruby and Simba 13 for noticing for for just being a support and it sounds like Ruby and Simba 13 feels the same way about the world maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we can form our own little support group. Yeah. We'll just sit around and and say things that make sense.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. that's how we do it. It ruins some conversations, but that's what happens. (laughs) That is what happens. Well, let's get real about the episode rating, shall we, Fish?
1: I think that is a good idea.
0: Do you want to jump in first?
1: Yes. So I like this one. I thought there were a lot of great parts of it, and I thought there was a lot of great acting. I especially felt, you know, Julie's whole um storyline you know setting up the stuff with ben i love where felicity and Noel leave off because and again maybe i'm wrong but i assume he doesn't move out of the dorm so i think no, she does not yeah so i feel like you know she's gotten through to him he's gonna stick around um and i mean <laughs> who didn't like everything about megan in this mm-hmm. um So I am going to go ahead and give this one a 9.5
2: Wow! out of 10. Look at you. It gets
1: gets some like extra points because of the whole Megan storyline that just, I mean, I needed this, I needed this episode right now and the world gave it to me and I am expressing my appreciation with a
0: Mm 9.5. Okay. Awesome. So for me, I decided to rate this one in uneaten slices of pizza.
1: Of course you did.
0: Looking at you, pizza. <laughs> uh, <That's> so, <laughs> <laughs> so I also like how there was a little echo on the mic just then. A little
1: resonance <laughs> that's reverb how on. how
0: serious that was. Um, I'm giving this one 8.1 out of 10 uneaten Mm -hmm. slices of pizza. And there was kind of a big spread of where this one could have landed. Once again, I don't enjoy that. They're only half doing the device they set up so that automatically dings this episode. Um, but I think there were a lot of things I loved. I like that they had a lot of humor and a lot of of serious stuff. And I think the the good Felicity episodes live in both of those worlds with a balance. And I think that there was some stuff here that was ambiguous that, you know, listening to you unpack it, I'm like, hmm, I wonder. Like, did they mean, was it intentional for them to imply Lynn and Julie? Like something going on there? I don't think it was. So I think there's a little bit of, they had a lot to do. And so there, you know, some of these things that were ambiguous, I don't think are necessary. And I, so it wasn't fully clean to me and how they told the story. But you can start to see with this episode. That why I've been saying that for me, the back part of this season is all very integrated because even some of this stuff that feels like, oh, we haven't heard from Carol for a while. They set it up. It makes sense why it's happening now. It's evolving where Julie is. It's evolving the situation between Julie and Ben and what's happening in their relationship. So I think there's a place for all of this. Maybe you could say the Megan stuff is a bit of an outlier
1: but it's worth it. But it's fun,
0: we like it. Ultimately, in the big picture of Megan, we need to see stuff like this because she's not going to just be the person who walks into a room and has 10 seconds of camera time forever. She's they they're giving her She's done a great job with everything they've given her, and they're giving her more now, as much as they can do with a person who's got no attachments to anybody else in Felicity's life. So yeah. Yeah. um, so I think there's some of this stuff that's uh, you know, a little ambiguous. The Megan stuff doesn't perfectly fit in for me, but I appreciate it. So I can't give it like one of my highest ratings, but I think it's a really solid episode. So 8.1 out of 10 uneaten slices of pizza.
1: I think this is this is really gonna give me the the full sense of of how you felt about that. This is gonna make a difference to me. That that tenth of a piece of pizza that's left over, is that like pizza pizza or is that just like crust? Crust. Oh, all right. You really, okay. You, you weren't a big fan.
0: Well, 8.1 would, or we could say 8.1 would be, you took a nibble, the nibble but, that Elena and Felicity didn't take for that ninth piece.
1: But you have 8.1. So yeah. the question is a nibble of crust or pizza, pizza.
0: Okay. We'll do a nibble of pizza, pizza.
1: Okay. I so that makes, that makes me feel the question. better. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay so That's you right. being optimistic. I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. We worked oh, your way okay. into optimism. That's great.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or as you could look at it, me not liking crust.
0: And by the way, I, <laughs> this was one of the few times where I actually had more than one rating that I sort of crossed out. So I just wanted to tell you the other ones that I didn't go with.
2: The first oh, okay. one I
0: had was awkward elevator rides. Oh. Didn't go there. <laughs> the second one that I had was Cakeless Richards.
1: Oh, poor Richard.
0: And that was, that was on the list for a long time up until I <laughs> any slices of pizza.
1: Oh man. I mean, they do give you a lot to work with, even they when they so don't need to. to.
0: It's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, so that is this episode. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention here, Fish, before we kind of wrap up and tell people how to send us their feedback.
1: Nope, we have hit every single one of my notes.
0: Okay. Well, in case you listeners have any notes yourself, we would love to hear from you. You can write to us or send us artwork at themelissafish at gmail.com. That's Melissa with one L, two S's, themelissafish at gmail.com. We love hearing from you regardless of what you have to say, we love to, and we love to hear people's perspectives on Felicity. We're learning a lot about the show by hearing what other people think too. And part of that conversation is happening on Instagram. You can find us there at Felicity podcast. Also, if you're interested to be notified when we drop a new episode, We send out a newsletter every time we do, you can sign up for that newsletter, but there's a link in the show notes that you can check out so that you can get that information when it comes out. Next time we're going to talk about documentary. This is, I I don't know if I want to throw the word iconic around, but this is like a themed episode. We're going to see a couple documentaries over time in this show. And it's, It's an episode style I happen to like. I don't know how everybody feels about it. I might pose that question at some point. Um, But it'll be a different style of that episode for us to wrap our heads around.
1: I do not remember the documentary style of this one. I very much like shows like The Office or early Parks and Rec that had this. Mm-hmm. but I will admit when it's a TV show that is not fully done in that style. And there's just like an episode. I'm not usually a big fan.
0: It will be interesting to see what you think about it. Usually yeah. I am not a fan of bottle episodes or sh- or when a show that's long running does an episode that feels really different. I do like this one. So but I haven't tried to go into detail about the thoughts behind it. So it'll be interesting to see what we think about this. And I'm not actually sure. I haven't like heard on these Felicity streets what other people think about it. So yeah, documentary, we're coming up on it. What do you all think? Share that with us too. Please do. But yeah, so that's pretty, I think we've covered it all. Until next time, fish. Don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone.
1: I'm a fish. Bye. Bye everyone.